There are some messages in the Bible that are woven like a tapestry throughout the Word of God. And the messages that we see as verse is connected to verse and story is connected to story the messages that we read and I don't know if some of you have are sewers or um, seamstresses or tailors or things like that or, or maybe as a hobby would sew things or whatever but if you look at one side of it, one side of it, you can't really see the stitching. And it looks complete, and it looks nice and neat. But if you turn that over, and if you look at the underside or the backside of a tapestry or something that has been sewn, you see all of the little threads that are still there. You see all of the knots and, and um, different things that are there interwoven that are really holding that piece of fabric together. And that's the way that it is in the Word of God. As we walk in obedience to God, His Word, we see His Word in the Bible. We hear His Word. But interwoven through the whole book of the Bible, all of the books of the Bible is some messages. And one of the message, one of the messages is a message of hope. It's hope. If we have hope in our lives, if we have hope in our hearts and in our souls, it does not matter what we face. Do you understand? Because if we have hope in our lives, though we may fall, can you just take a message for me? Just tell them I'll get back to them. <laughs> it just happens, doesn't it? <laughs> um, but that hope keeps us afloat. That hope keeps us alive. That hope, no matter what happens, we may get down, we may be beat up, and we will be. That's the way life is. We experience difficulties. We experience challenges. We experience hard times. And many of us have gone to college, the school of hard knocks. You been there? <laughs> you learn by making mistakes. Yeah? And as long as we have that hope alive in us, nothing can keep us down. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors. Can you find that scripture for me? We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, our Lord. We are more than conquerors. And you know what? In our lives, we will experience valleys. How many of you have ever been in the valley? In the valley. You know, we want to be on the mountaintops, don't we? We want to be able to look down and say, hey, you guys down there, come on up here. We want to be on the mountaintops 
because there's lots of sunlight and, and we can see for miles and miles and miles and we think that on the mountaintops there's so much blessing and, and it's a joy and, and all these things. But you know what? On the mountaintops, oftentimes it's very, very bare. It's very bare and sometimes even desolate because all of the nutrients in the soil are washed down where? Into the valleys below. And as you come down the mountain from the top, you see that more and more foliage, more and more vegetation. And when you get to the bottom, in the valley, it's full and it's rich and it's dense. And so we can learn something from that analogy in nature that we can discern things. We can draw things out. We can benefit from the valleys in our lives, the low points in our lives. Those low low points in our lives are never comfortable, are they? There's pain there. There's discomfort. There is uncertainty. There is maybe even confusion in those valleys. And it's in those places that we grow. It's in those places that are at times dark and we're unsure as to where to go. We don't know what to do next. We we don't know where to go. And so what do we do? We press in and we call upon God and it's in those times that we really learn how to pray. Isn't that it? We learn to pray in those dark times, in those valleys where we're low and we're dependent on God. And if he doesn't come through, we're in trouble. But God is faithful. He always comes through. He is true to his word. He says that I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you always, the Bible says. Matthew 28, 18, and 19. The great commission, he says, I want you to go. I want you to do these things. I want you to go to the nations everywhere around you. I want you to teach and preach. I want you to show people how to live their lives that pleases me so that I can do what? I can bless them. I can bless them. Amen? And so I want you to go do that. And it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be long. But I'm telling you, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And he says, even to the end of the age. And so this hope we have, the Bible says, what is it, Hebrews 6, 19, I think, or something around there. Maybe we can check that. You may be wondering why I'm asking for these scriptures because the scriptures that I had planned God's leading in a different direction again, okay? And I believe it's Hebrews 6, 19. It says that this hope we have as an anchor for our souls. Is that correct? Yes. This hope we have as an anchor for our souls. (laughs) As an anchor And one thing that I've learned in some studies about anchors and about ships 
is that the anchor's the anchor's job <laughs> is to keep the ship still. Okay? And what it's meant to do is to come into the harbor, the ship is to come into the harbor where it's safe and it's calm and it's peaceful and it drops the anchor. Okay? It drops that anchor and the anchor is meant to keep that ship from drifting out to sea. Because if that ship, that ship drifts out to sea, it's no longer safe. Maybe there's nobody on it. Okay? Maybe the captain's not on the ship and nobody knows how to steer the boat. Okay? But the, the thought here, the representation is this, the safety and the peaceful comfort of the harbor. Now, you know that the harbor is a place, sometimes they're man-made harbors, and they put these big um, things out there, walls or break walls, whatever you want to call them, that protects what's beyond there as the, the ships get closer to the land, okay? And the ships get closer to the land, and then they tie them up. They drop their anchors. Sometimes they can't get in close to shore, right, because the ships are big, so they have to stay quite a ways out, all right? And at that point, they would drop their anchor. If there is no harbor and they're just coming up to a piece of land, they would drop that anchor, and it may be hundreds of yards away from the shore, okay? And as those waves come off of the shore, they would take that ship back out to sea, and so the anchor is to keep the ship safely locked close to the shore in the safety of the harbor. And that is where our hope lies in the safety of the harbor. And that scripture says this hope that we have, this hope in Christ Jesus as an anchor for our souls. What does that mean as an anchor for our souls? It means, friends, that when your life is being torn apart, when your life is bound by addiction, when your life is bound by sin, there is safety in the harbor of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is hope there, friends. And you may have tried so many other things to try to give you that hope and that peace and that lasting joy. And you try it for a while and it seems great for a time, but then after a while it just fades away again and you're looking for something else to fill that void. Jesus, the Savior, is the perfect fit for that void. Do you understand that? We have a, a God-shaped hole, I've heard it said, a God-shaped hole in our hearts, our spirits that God was meant to fill. And unless we have God in our lives, we will never, ever be able to find anything to complete us. Amen. Do you understand that? Nothing. My wife is such a part of me that she can think and answer questions before I even say them. She, she, she finishes my thoughts at times, which is kind of scary, okay? But even closer than that is, 
is the Savior inside of me that completes me and gives me purpose. How many of you have wondered, what is my purpose here? What is the purpose of life? The purpose of life is to live for Jesus, your Savior, to receive him into your heart and to be a blessing to others, to share the gospel with other people that they too may come to the Savior, that they may come to the truth. This world has a lot of lies being told. And we would see billboards along the highway that say, hey, look over here. I got the answer for what you're looking for. This right here is what you need in your life. We got the answer. They ain't got the answer. Jesus is that answer, friends. Jesus is that lighthouse that is shining in the darkness with that beacon. Have you all seen a lighthouse before? They're so tall, you know, and they're always right on the edge of the land where it meets the water. And it shines out with this strong beacon of light. And it guides the ships where? To the safety of the harbor. To the safety of the harbor. Jesus is that light that is shining into the darkness all around us in our families. How many of you need the light of Jesus in your families? Can we say amen here today? How many of us need the light of Jesus in our workplaces? Can I hear another amen? Do we need Jesus in our communities? Do we need Jesus in our churches? Do we need Jesus in our government? You see, no matter, and you've heard me say this, but it doesn't, the answer to our government is not the Democrats or the Republicans or the Libertarians or whoever. That's not the answer. That's not going to fix America. What's going to fix America is when she turns back to God. That is the thing that will fix America, friends. That is the thing. That will fix America. And so this hope we have as an anchor for our souls. And Isaiah, I think it's 55, give or take, around there. And it says, those who hope in me will not be put to shame. Some versions say, those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Have you put your hope in someone before, thinking that they were going to do right by you, and they did you wrong? Maybe you put your love and your trust in someone and they let you down. How many of you know that even parents, yes, even parents can let you down? Even presidents can let you down. Even pastors can let you down. Husbands and wives can let you down. But the Lord Jesus Christ will never, never, never let you down. You may have tried other things, and and maybe you've tried drugs to to try to find a way to escape your problems. Or maybe you've tried sex to, to... make yourself feel loved and to feel that emptiness inside of you. And maybe you've tried this. Maybe, maybe you've got a spending habit and, and you just love to purchase things and always be getting new things that, to always, you know, be, be, I don't know, 
but it's always trying to fill something that's inside of us, okay? And unless we fill that emptiness with Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, we will never find anything that's going to do it. We'll go from one thing to the next. And some of, you, some of you here have done that very thing. You've gone from one thing to the next. How many of you have tried religion of some sort to try to, you know, fill that emptiness? Well, I think that's something I need to do. I'll go to church. Church is not the answer. Church is not the answer. Jesus is the answer. Because there's plenty of churches out there where Jesus is not welcome. That's scary. That's scary. If Jesus ain't welcome in there, what is it they're teaching? What is welcome if Jesus is not? This hope we have as an anchor for our souls. It holds us in the safety of the harbor. Have you tried Jesus? Have you tried Jesus? Ask yourselves that. Have you tried Jesus? Well, I've tried this. I've tried church. No. I've tried religion. No. Have you tried Jesus? Jesus. It's not about Alabama full gospel, though we really like it here. And God's really blessing here. But that's not it. And I won't point you to Alabama full gospel. I won't point you to myself because without the source, without the one that I represent, I am only an ambassador. I represent somebody else. I represent Jesus, the Christ, the Savior, my Redeemer. And everything, my hope, my life's hope, besides being a good husband and a good daddy, is to be a good representative of my Savior above all things. To be a good representative. I want when people see me that they see Jesus. I want people when they hear my voice that they hear Jesus speaking. They hear the words of Jesus speaking. When people see me sing or see me play, I want them to see Jesus. I don't, I don't want to draw them to myself. Without him, I have nothing to offer. Without him, it's just a lot of noise. And the world has enough noise. Everything that I bring is Jesus. You do the same. You may have heard it said that you may be the only Bible that some will ever read. Some people will never crack open a Bible. Some people don't have a Bible, okay? And so when, wherever you go, to your workplace, to your school, to your family, to here or there, the gas station, Walmart, okay? Wherever you go, you have the name Jesus Christ stamped on you. It's like you're wearing a, a name tag. Do you ever go to a, a teaching of some sort or a meet and greet or whatever, you know, and, and they, they make you fill out these name things, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know? But it's like that. You're carrying the name of Jesus around with you wherever you go. And so the things that you say, your actions, your reactions... They all 
point to the Savior, good or bad. Hope. If we have hope, we can endure anything. And you know, that's what the terrorists will try to take from you. Your hope. There's no hope. Why fight it? And so they'll try to create this fear in you and overcome you with fear. And there's no reason. I, we can't fight this. We can't fight evil in the world. It's not just about terrorists. It's about evil. Okay? Why stand up to it? Why stand up to a banishing of the things of God in our country? Why would we stand up to people, the movements that try to remove Ten Commandments from public property? Why would we stand up? There's no hope. We just just let it go. Why would we stand up to the movement that would try to remove in God we trust from our money? There's no hope. Just let it go. Why would we stand against those who refuse to stand up and honor the flag of the United States of America. That disgusts me. That disgusts me. That angers me. God has blessed our country. That is why we are a world power. Because of God's blessings on us. And our acknowledgement of God, okay? The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. So in everything that you do, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. You see, our country has done that very thing. We've made a lot of mistakes. Don't, can we agree on that? America has made a lot of mistakes. Okay, but so have we personally, okay, in trying to follow Christ, we've made a lot of mistakes, all right? That's why Jesus went to the cross. Can I just remind you of that? That's why Jesus went to the cross. And God has been very gracious to the United States of America because we acknowledged him in everything that we did, including our finances, Okay, including our finances. But if we don't stand up to it, why would we? We've lost all hope. But if we continue to hold on to the hope. There was a time when Israel was conquered, a couple times, when Israel was conquered by neighboring nations. Okay? And the other nations came in and they just took over. They took over everything. They banished certain holidays. They banished, you know, things at the temple. Some of them even just tore down the temple. They just tore it right down. Can you imagine being an Israelite, and that is like the center of everything, and they just tore it all down, attempting to take and steal away their hope but they never stole their hope. Their hope remained, and they once again turned their hearts back to God. 
What is that scripture? Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. Friends, our hope is in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, as the song says. It's not on laws that we create. It's not on guns or weapons. It's not on prepping. It's not on government leaders. It's not on anything like that. Our hope rests in Christ alone. In Christ alone. If we hold on to that hope, we can endure all things. The Bible says that these three things remain faith, hope, and what? Love. And the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And so woven through the centuries, woven through the verses and chapters and books of the Bible and the stories that we learned as as children, woven through all of those stories is faith, is hope, and is love. And this, this book here, this Bible, is, I've heard it said, called this, like, it's God's love letter to his people. And so, in all the stories, and we'll, we see countless, countless stories of people doing bad stuff here in the Bible. Well, this is, this is the good book. We should only put the good stuff in there, don't you think? Only the positive stuff, right? Yeah, okay. But here's the thing. If we don't see the people making the mistakes as they do all over, page after page, if we don't see that, then we don't see God's mercy. We don't see God's favor. We don't see God's love. We don't see God's sacrifice. There's no need for it. Okay? But we do see over and over in the Bible. Do you read the Bible? Okay? That's just not my job. <laughs> yeah? The Bible, the Lord Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. When we celebrate communion, when we, when we do communion, Jesus, we celebrate the bread of life and his blood that was poured out, Yeah? And the bread represents his body broken for us. And, and the juice or the wine represents his blood poured out for us. That's sacrifice that was made on our behalf. And so woven throughout the scriptures, throughout the centuries, is a message of love, of hope, and faith. These three things remain faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. 
I wonder if Bill can come to the keyboard this morning. I want to give you an opportunity. Would you stand with me today? Maybe you've met, never been to a service like this. Maybe you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never thought about Christianity this way. Maybe you've never thought about religion or thought about the Bible in this way. But friends, these are not my words. These are God's words. And as I said before, that's why it's so important to know it because people can say anything to you. Well, the Word of God says this. And if we don't know the Word of God, we can't say, yes, that's exactly what it says, or we can't say, no, it doesn't say that. You know? The Word of God brings freedom. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's not bondage. There's not Methodism. There's not works where we can, in a sense, try to work our way into heaven. That doesn't work. Well, if I go to church, that means I'm going to go to heaven when I die. No, it does not. That's not what the Bible says, okay? When we die, we don't just default to heaven, okay? We have to do something. We have to respond to the gift that was offered to us, to the sacrifice that was made for us on the cross of Calvary. That is, the spotless lamb, the sacrifice once for all, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God the Father. And the scriptures say in John 3, 16 and 17 that God so loved the world. Who's the world? You and me. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever should believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's God's heart towards you, his daughters today. That's God's heart to you, his sons today. Won't you be reunited with the Father today because of what Jesus Christ has done? You see, our sin separates us from God. Our sin separates us from God. And when we sin, the Bible says, the wages of our sin is death. It demands a consequence. There's a consequence for our sin. The wages of sin is death, the Bible said. But the gift of God is eternal life. And we know that our physical bodies are not going to go on and live forever, but our spirits, they will. And we're either going to go to be where God is, and we call that heaven, or we're going to go to be where God is not. And that's one place we don't want to go. We call that hell. And so today I ask you, what will you do with Jesus Will you receive what he did on the cross as payment for your sins? Or will you turn him away? Will you reject him and say, I don't need you. I'm going to do it myself. 
I don't believe in you. <laughs> okay? As we sing this song, I invite you, come forward to this altar, to this place where many, many tears have been shed. Many lives have been miraculously turned around. I invite you to come. Lay down the burdens that you've been carrying and let the Lord Jesus take the driver's seat in the vehicle of your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let Jesus take the driver's seat in the vehicle of your life. The Bible tells the story of a man who built his house upon the sand. And after he had built his house, the winds came and the storms came and the waves came crashing upon that house. And the Bible says that it fell with a mighty crash because it was built on the shifting sand. Then there was a man who built his house upon a rock. And the winds came and the storms raged and the waves crashed against that house. But that house stood immovable because it was built on a firm foundation. Our lives are built on a foundation. And that's either a shifting foundation like sand or a firm foundation like Christ Jesus our Lord. What have you built your life upon today? What is your life built upon? Is it built upon something that when the difficult times come, the foundation is going to shift? Or is it built upon something that is going to stand firm regardless of what comes? Let's pray together today. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. Lord, I would just pray for each and every person that has come to the altar this morning. Oh God, I pray your peace upon them. I pray that you would guide them, that you would lead them according to your word. I pray for your blessings upon them. I pray for your truth to be made known to them. I pray that you would open their eyes, oh God, that they would see you. I pray that you would open their ears, that they would hear and understand and respond to you and that you would save their souls. I pray for each one that is out here in the congregation this day. I pray for them as well, Lord Jesus. Maybe there are some here today that have not bowed their knee to you. Maybe there are some here today that have not received you as their Lord and their Savior. I pray that today, Lord, that they would make that decision, that they would follow you. And I'm just going to say a quick little prayer here. And if you feel so inclined, if you feel like God has been speaking to you and, and that maybe something that has been said has triggered a recognition of your lack of response to Jesus, I'm just going to say a little prayer here today and you can pray along with me. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I need a Savior. And today... I recognize and I ask for forgiveness. And I thank you for the work that you did on the cross and the shedding of your blood to wash my sin away. And from this day forward, I put my hope and my trust 
in you alone. Save my soul today. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you've called upon the name of the Lord, you are saved. If you prayed that prayer today, or if there's anything that I can do, would you make your way forward so that myself and my elders and maybe my wife can pray with you this morning? I love you all. I'm so glad that you're here. God bless you. I'll see you next week.